and at the time and at that time of the end shall the king of the south push at him and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over he shall enter also into the glorious land and many countries shall be overthrown so you see that now he will use force just be prepared hallelujah and then you will be quite ambitious as you can tell that kind of person would have to be ambitious that's what the world would call the alpha type right right now but ambitious very ambitious that he wants to rule the whole earth right revelation 17 11 and 12 as we finish up now and the beast that was and is not even he is the eighth and and is of the seven and goeth into perdition and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet but receive power as kings one hour with the beast very serious blessed people again when you read the scripture on the rapture of the church these are the things that should ring just in a nutshell should hit you as a warning as if you navigate yourself in the churches that you are uh, pastoring you should warn them about this warn them about what is coming the gravity how critical it is that they should be born again properly and enter how critical it is hallelujah chapter 1 verses 9 11 and then we saw that Enoch also was raptured and then we saw the summoning also the trumpet summoning people to appear before the throne and then the grand reunion also can we handle the grand reunion reunion you can tell that and so we shall be we shall join them can i read the scripture again first Thessalonians blessed people chapter 4 it says the following After that verse 17 after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air that is the grand reunion that takes place during the rapture of the church right and we have seen Romans chapter 14 verse 8 try to read quick for the new people who are here Romans 14 verse 8 giving an insight onto that reunion Is the, is the air conditioning too cold blessed people oh yeah okay thank you so much now romans chapter 14 verse 8 for whether we live we live unto the lord and whether we die we die unto the lord whether we live therefore or die we are the lord it's very powerful the grand reunion with the lord forever right luke 23:43 And Jesus said unto them verily I say unto thee today shalt thou be with me in paradise And then the book of John 12 verse 26 If any man serve me let him follow me and where I am there shall also my servant be if any man serve me him will my father honor 
First Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. Okay, so again, read Second Corinthians 5, 8. If you can read First Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10, that we have read here and again, again and again. Second Corinthians 5 and 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Philippians 1.23 For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Thank you. So now I read to summarize all that for you. I'm reading again First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm reading verses 13, 14. It says, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So that is very powerful. What he's essentially saying is the following. He's saying that the dead will resurrect. Because of that event, the rapture, the scripture we are reading today, the lead scripture. The dead in Christ, meaning they were holy at that point, they will resurrect. And then they, they will go up, they will be transformed, they will go up to meet the Lord in the air. I have seen that vision, I have described it here severally in every country we have gone to. And then, those who are now awake will also do what? Be transformed, translated and go meet them there in the sky. So in other words... The dead and the living Christians are going to meet Christ in the sky. That is now the grand reunion at rapture. To reunite with your Savior, reunite with your Master, the one who died for you, the one that loved you that much. When the world did not love you, love you He loved you. And then, also reunion between people and people. You will meet now your loved ones also there. Those who are holy. Hallelujah. And the key take-home message there while he's telling, the, he's telling them not to worry, to live different from the rest of the world, is that the sting of death has been taken away. Are we together? And so, let us look at another thing that hits you. I know the imminency hits you. I'm going to cover it as a main theme probably tomorrow. But I want us to handle something else here real quick. I don't know how far we can do this. Hallelujah. That... Uh, When, uh, when you read the scripture of the rapture of the church, the things that scream at you, that shout at you, that you see right away, the low-hanging fruits, that you just take and start eating right away to prepare, right? We are now seeing them come into light, so you are able to see very clearly the obligations and the instruction and the plethora of scripture and wealth of information from the rapture of the church, right? Hallelujah. So, we have mentioned the resurrection. Okay? The resurrection becomes so vivid when you read the scripture of the rapture. We covered it quite a bit, but I just want to ring through it again. John chapter 2017, can you read it? John chapter 20 verse 17. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, 
But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and to your God. Thank you. Very powerful. So why am I reading this for you? I'm reading this because he is saying that for the Christians, those who are born again, the message of the rapture is hope. So when there was a grieving that they have lost their loved ones who have died earlier, oh, what shall be of them? Are they totally lost? Shall they benefit from the coming of the Messiah? Shall they ever benefit from the benefits of rapture? When they were caught up in that kind of dilemma, then he told them, why are you wailing? Why are you in that kind of shock and anxiety? Resurrection is right in front of you here. You should live with hope. So in that scripture he says, why are you grieving like those in the world that have no hope. In other words, he's saying, for you that are born again as Christians, he takes death with his sadness and sorrows and funeral and isolation and abandonment and neglect and crying and weeping and he combines with hope. To you Christians, he says, therefore, your lifestyle and lives should be totally different from the people who are not born again. Because for you now, even in the eyes, in the eyes, in the, 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 the light of death, for you of hope beyond the tombs. So now, the things that should really be shouting and screaming at you as you read the scripture on the rapture of the church, the promise, is now the hope beyond the tombs that the Lord raises very clearly in that definition of rapture, the outline of rapture, the illustration of rapture. He's saying that hope now, resurrection. If Christ himself is anchored on the resurrection of Christ, if Christ himself died and resurrected, then why? Why would you worry? You have it right there for you. The resurrection of Christ has been given to you because you're born again, right? So you know that whether you die now, you're going to be with the Lord, or because you resurrect your body that day and your soul anyhow will be with Christ. If your loved one dies and they are born again, you know that you are going to meet them anyway. We have just seen that they will meet the Lord, will meet the Lord. You people will meet the Lord in the sky and then you will meet their loved ones with the Lord up there. I hope you don't spend more time talking to your loved ones and spend more time adoring the Messiah. Hallelujah. I hope so. But of course it will not be, you know, yes. <laughs> when the loved one now is saying, Mommy, whatever, which is a great thing. I remember in the vision of the rapture, what really touched me. So, it seems the Lord, I don't know at which stage he showed me these events. Because the first stage, I want everybody to see me. The first part, you remember, the Lord lifts me up above the earth. And then tells me to look left and down. Then I see the exact moment when the living Christians leave the soil. Translated, right? They come all the way and they reach my level and turn right, right? You all know that vision. You can say it in your dreams. I've said it all over the world again and again. And then they turn right. When they turn right, they're still gaining height. But they cross right there. So I'm able to see some details. I'm able to see that the garment is glorious white. I'm able to see the turban, the white turban on the head flowing down this way, glorious. I'm able to see also the cloth connecting the sleeve in the main body. So if they do this, you think they have wings, but not wings. I'm able to see that. Then there is a part where now, you remember that part has always been quite uh, stunning, where I see them holding some of their children, right? So, so that part, that part now I can be able to understand 
Number one, of course, the instruction is that if you prepare your family, they will enter with you. Yes. Number two, that the Lord has opened door for family revival. Whether they are drinking like what, if you talk to them, you will bring them. And number five, that you as a mother, you have a big responsibility. When mama, when mama takes a child, when the child is born and takes to church, whether the child goes to the UK or goes to US or Canada, Australia, and starts drinking there like, you, like hell, you'll find him on Sunday drinking in the bar, but his tears are flowing. And the friends ask him, why are you doing, why are you crying? He said, no, I should not be doing this. I should not be doing this. He will always find his way back to the church when mama takes him to church. So that's your role. He will always finally find himself in church. He will remember how mama used to tell him to wash his shirt on Saturday, iron the shirt, iron the trouser, polish the shoes, put the socks, clean socks next to it and put the tie there on Saturday evening, and Mama would come and check, but look, this tie is not clean, get there, and so forth, preparing for Sunday. He will always remember that. So when you take them to church, they always, whether they go this way, but they always come back to church. That is what the Lord is saying, that you have a role to reach out to your loved ones, right? But even most importantly, as we have seen right now, could it be that this is the moment when the two groups have united? Because remember, they already entered the cloud. After that, I saw them entering. It looks like this is the moment. I think there was a deeper message the Lord is underscoring there. That those who have died, that, that hand, holding hands, the Lord is saying reunion. Family reunions. Those who died earlier and those who have been translated now meet. That, that's the message. I've just picked it right here. Right here is where I've just picked that message from. Hallelujah. So this is serious. It's a good thing, right? You know, the visions of God are very deep. And we have a lot of them of avalanche, of flood. So the Lord reveals as we move on, right? So re resurrection is very key. That's a monument, a glorious monument that towers very high when you read the scripture on the, 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 scripture rather on the raft of the church, right? Resurrection. And so he said, allow me to do this. Please allow me to run through this. I know there is coffee and everything, but just allow me to do this. The whole world is tuned in, okay? So the book of Acts chapter 9, chapter 1, verses 9-11. After resurrection, then ascension. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them. And appeared and asked the men of Galilee, why do you gaze so anxiously like that? Espanol con ansioso, like this. He said, no, know ye not that the same Jesus who has been taken away from you will come back in like manner. And you know that he's talking about the second coming, which is a big thing we handled. So now, so all this, all this resurrection of Christ that is the anchor of our hope, the anchor of our hope. He said, no, no, why do you wait like that? Like people without hope. You ought to live differently. Even your funerals, we're not stopping you from mourning. But you at least you mourn with hope. So you're combining death with hope. You find somebody just laughing in a funeral. Why are you laughing? No, I'm just, I'm just amazed at how my, my sister lived her life. She, she really did it. She lived so well. She loved God so much. You know, you can celebrate life in the funeral. 
while the other says, oh, Peter, you have gone. Is that you sleeping there? What shall we do? You have left us like this. No, you don't do that. Once you lead them to Christ and they are born again, you can count that their soul goes straight to be with Jesus ahead of you. Ahead of you. So for us, we have hope beyond the tombs. So that is the hope he was talking about. And that hope, I derived it from when Christ himself resurrected. There was sadness and fear. And they were going to the graveyard to check things and what. They found that it is empty. And then all of a sudden, from behind, said, Mary, don't touch me. I've not yet gone up. So he has resurrected. And then after that, he ascended down. So that is our anchor of hope. That he went as the first fruits ahead of us, Habinja, preparing the way. But all that was foretold. Numbers chapter 17, verse 8. All that was foretold. I want you to be very deep in the word, blessed people. Yes, because I know you are pastors, you are bishops, you are senior deputy bishops. The archbishops are seated here from many nations also. You be deep in the word when you teach these things. You go very deep because you are not prosperity preachers. You are not looking for some offering here. Hallelujah. So, Numbers 17 verse 8, foretold it. It was all foretold. And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded. So the budding of that rod, Aaron's budded rod was God speaking about resurrection. And it was all pointed at one thing, the resurrection of the Christ that would come as the hope for this generation and the entire humanity. Are we together? That Aaron's body wrote. So that hope that we anchor our hope on, the death and resurrection of Christ and his ascension, was actually foretold, right? And the book of Psalm 23 verse 4, Psalm 23 verse 4 real quick. I can read it also. Yeah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Because now he has overcome death. He took away the sting of death, as we saw yesterday from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 all the way to 58. And then he says here, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3, we don't have time, we have a lot of scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Very powerful. So he's saying that is the hope we have. That Christ Jesus died and resurrected and ascended on high and he's coming back. And he has promised that you will go with him. If you die before the rapture, he has already created a way for you, a safe passage. You don't fear death. Safe passage. You don't fear death anymore. Now you have a safe passage. And he's saying here, the book of Romans, I mean Revelation, chapter 5, verse 9, real quick. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed unto us, unto us, unto God, by blood, out of every kindred, and, and purchased all men for God. So that is the hope. So he's saying, don't mourn like those who have no hope. That is the hope you have. It's anchored on Christ Jesus crucified, Christ Jesus resurrected. And that's why when you see the church, 
turn into another gospel, preaching the gospel of prosperity, money these trying to address to entertain the, the, the audience here, then you realize that they have lost the hope, the only hope that was left in the church. The hope of resurrection, the hope of glory, the hope of eternity, eternal life. It is anchored on the cross and the blood of Jesus. And that's why the disciples of Jesus, they preach Christ Jesus crucified, Christ Jesus resurrected. Christ Jesus crucified, Christ Jesus resurrected. Nothing else. And if you continue up to 14, then he asks, who are these? He said, these are they that have come out of the tribulation. They have been murdered for Christ. They have accepted to be killed because of the hope of resurrection. Now they are inside heaven. So that is your hope. That is the hope he was talking about. When he was discussing the rapture of the church, he said, no. Why do you mourn like the rest who have no hope? That is the hope. That for us we have hope beyond the tombs. Are we together? I'm trying to finish up this real quick, but there's so much ahead of me here. And so, Re- Revelation 22, verse 4, that now they are seeing God face to face. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And that hope again is glorification. That hope again is glorification, blessed people. He promised glorification. And so I'm going to run through the things very fast. First Corinthians 15, 50, uh, 1 to 57, real quick. We don't have time, really. But I want to give you as many scriptures. So when you go to preach out there, it is massive. Yes, you preach like those who have eaten from the Lord's table. Hallelujah. Yes, First Corinthians chapter 15, 51 to 57, real quick. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not... Okay, th- th- so those who are, that's King James. He's saying, behold, I show you. I show you a mystery. If you, let him just read the normal version of, uh, of uh, NIV. Not, not show you. I show you a mystery. I think King James was removed from Shakespeare kind of English, right? They, they can twist thou. What? Say? The Elizabethan. <laughs> I tell you, Elizabethan. That sounds like name Elizabeth, right? Wow. We are here. Not really under it, but I mean. <laughs> uh, can, can you read the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 57? Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. So that is the glorification is promising. That for you as Christians, when it's time for him to now to give the narrative of the rapture, the outline, the cascade, then he says, even if somebody died before, you cannot mourn like the rest of the world that has no hope. Because for you, your hope is in the death and resurrection of Jesus on which you are anchored. Number two, on the promised glorification. And also Philippians chapter 3, 20, 21 we have read. And in that Philippians chapter 3, 20, 21 it says, But our citizenship is in heaven from where we await a savior. It is true. If you read the book of Acts chapter 1, 9 to 11, you saw that the savior went into heaven. If you spoke with me, I can tell you I saw him in heaven at the center of the throne being worshipped. And when he turned, when he, just a moment, when he stretched, when, when I walked in, okay, let me describe the entire vision because there are new people in the house. 
And in that vision, I found myself, 2nd of April 2004, everybody knows that vision globally. I've given it in every country, from New Zealand to Finland to Australia to Canada to everywhere, Europe, Latin America. This is the vision. 2nd of April 2004, it's a landmark vision that brought back Benjamin Netanyahu to the throne. All of you know it, right? I'm the one who spoke Benjamin Netanyahu until he came back to the throne. Remember the first Benjamin Netanyahu is happening while we are living in Israel for seven years? Both in Beersheba and then in Haifa, right? That was the first Benjamin Netanyahu. And then now I spoke the second Benjamin Netanyahu, now when we had come out of Israel, and then he has come back. Based on those words, that vision, this vision is the following. In that vision, 2nd of April 2004, all of a sudden I found myself standing before the throne of God. And the throne of God was covered with tremendous super white glory like you see covers me when I'm transfigured here. And that huge mountain of glory. And he made me know that he that is seated on the throne is seated on the throne and paying particular attention to the conversation I'm about to have here. So he made me know he's seated and he's paying attention, specific attention to this conversation about to happen. And then at that time from the throne John the Baptist walked out. Walked out of the glory now. And walked towards me. And he came directly towards me. When he reached, as I've described, he came this way, went like that, and then came back here and stood and began to talk to me. He began to speak with me about the glorious Lamb of God who died for the sin of the world and he is about to come back. And he said, the Father says, go to the four ends of the earth. And prepare them for the glorious coming of the glorious Lamb of God who died for the sin of the world. And you remember in that conversation, those of you that know that conversation, the, the deeper, the wider aspect of it, then you find that I engage John on another in, a, in that way, but deeper further on that. And I say, but why did he have to die? Did he really have to die? You know, so, so as in, wasn't there another way? Then at that time, I see a vision within a vision. The Lord God the Father now. And remember, you are in a vision. So anything you are saying or doing is God governing you. The Lord is the one directing those questions you are questioning and all those things. That's why he does them in a sleep when you are asleep. That's why he lifts you into glory when you are asleep. So, then I see a vision within a vision. And in seeing a vision within a vision, he takes me to the day when Christ was crucified. And I see the tremendous, unbelievable crucifixion of Christ. And then I come back and find that John the Baptist is still standing here. And then after that, then he says, he announces now from the throne, God the Father, the Lord announces that let me show you what is about to happen to the earth. Then at that time, immediately as we are coming back, we see the moon. The moon is surrounded by glory, become glorious, and two-thirds is swathed with blood. The moon, glory surrounding it, glorious, but two-thirds of it is swathed, is painted, covered with blood. Then I see the four horsemen running now under the moon in that glory. Running, the four horsemen running under such a spectacular, magnificent vision. Being released. 
in other words that when we came we went straight to Jerusalem and above Jerusalem in the clouds John the Baptist and myself again the voice said let me show you what's about to happen to the earth so bringing us all the way with John the Baptist but then above the clouds now looking at the city of Jerusalem like this and the promised land and the entire neighborhood immediately the first thing we saw is the tomb of Yasser Arafat you remember that time he was still alive a big tomb fresh dug like this like that of soil and from above in the clouds the Lord is able to make us see the entire Arab world but you see because we're seeing from above so the light the electricity in the room they look more like candles through the windows and then we hear <laughs> all over the Arab world like this like this over there that kind of morning after that then he focuses us on the city of Jerusalem from above still in the clouds when we are looking at Jerusalem, we saw the first change of leadership in Jerusalem. It was a right-wing government. I know you are teaching Eugene how to prepare those uh, reportages. So, before, when I ask them, you bring them. So, the first, when I will ask, the first change of government, leadership rather, is a right-wing government. Then there is a second change again. It's a more right-wing government now. And then the Lord takes us to the capital cities of the whole earth. We go to all Tower Canada, Washington DC, we go to, to Berlin, Germany, we go every capital city of Australia. And we see that the leaders of the earth, of the world, of the nations, are worried. They're saying, wow, it's a right-wing government, extreme right-wing. How shall we discuss the peace of Palestine with them? Can you put those fulfillments there? And you see that it became fulfilled recently. Netanyahu will form extreme right-wing government after Israeli election victory. There are quite a few. Just flash them. Uh, no, you're, okay. There is one even says alarm. Netanyahu will form extreme... The, the, hey, this guy. Okay. Shock and horror. Shocked and horrified. Alarm as Netanyahu said to form the most right-wing government. Finally fulfilled from 2004. The words of Yahweh. So when we are talking to you here, there is so much we have seen. We are telling you, get out of this place. We have seen life after the rapture. And our involvement. And it's very serious. You see that? Horror, I mean, rather, the whole global alarm. Alarm is the word, alarm. But let me get back to the vision. So in that vision, remember, we are now looking at all the cities. We have gone to all the capital cities. Now we are back to Jerusalem. Then we have seen that second change. Then at that point we are taken back to heaven. But as we are going up the clouds back to heaven with John the Baptist, then we see, we see people in aircrafts going to Jerusalem. In the clouds. We meet them in the clouds. But you see now, because this is happening at a time where the aircraft has been invented, I am able to see the Lord put for me particular Christian... Christians inside the plane so I can see. Up in here in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Kakamega. 
tremendously transfigured, such that I knew that if you touched him with a pen, a nib of a pen, you can see where the pen has touched. And then after that, John the Baptist stretches out his right hand. Look at that. After that, I am immediately transfigured. So this transfiguration you see happening here, the Lord transfiguring me here, is serious. This is very, very serious. It's within the prophetic uh, uh, calendar and prophetic uh, 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 prediction of God. The countdown. So now, when John the Baptist now, when I am transfigured also, then he does this. He, he stretches his right hand towards the glory of the throne. He says, Behold the glorious Lamb of God. When John does that, then he walks right towards me and he disappears in me until today. This is serious stuff. This is now very serious. Jokes aside. He disappears in me until today. And then, the glorious Lamb of God comes from the throne. And he comes all the way. And everything becomes super glorious. Like never before. And there was like a small ridge, a kind of a ridge that was there. Not really a ridge, ridge, but a small area that was as if demarcating where I'm standing at the throne position. That ridge also disappeared by the glory. And there is a sound of the dreadfulness of the holiness of the glory of God, which also consumes when the Lamb is coming. The glorious Lamb is coming and the sound is like... Very dreadful kind of glory, the holiness of God. And when the Lamb of God came, He came up to here. And I have never shared with you people from there, you know that, right? When He came up to here. And the next thing I realized, I was inside now, the throne room, inside the glory. Walking the golden walker that I've described across the whole world, the two strips, reddish brown gold and the yellowish gold in the center. And as I'm walking into the glories, complete glory, thick glory of the Lord inside there, super glorious white radiant. Then, when I arrived at right in a little bit of inside, on my right like this, as I turned right, then I saw the center of the throne of God. And the glorious throne, glorious white, glorious throne, until now I see it. Glorious, super glorious throne. So, when I turned, I, and I tried to, just a little bit tilt left like this, I saw the glorious Lamb of God, who had just spoken with me. I saw him at the very center of the throne of God, receiving the same worship the Father receives. So you need to ask yourself, who died for you? Look at this now. Now, he, for him, as he stretched his neck a little bit right that he may gain eye contact with me then I saw as if he had been slain and the blood was pouring across his glorious chest so these are serious things very serious stuff are we together very serious time in the church and so he says that hope is the rapture of the church right but why why do you people mourn like that when you know that there is rapture promise to you and at that rapture, there will be resurrection and glorification. Right? Is that not what we have handled? The scriptures of rapture you have, right? Another reason why he said they should have hope 
and not mourn like the rest of the world that have no hope is the following. John chapter 14, verses 1. I'm reading it here. John chapter, you can now sit down. John chapter 14. I'm reading verses 1 to 3. One capítulo 14, por favor, versículo 1 al 3 en español, for those who are tuned in from the Latin America. He says the following. John 14, 1 and 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Look at this now. That is now one of the few occasions when Jesus stepped out and said, I am God. That he takes the same worship as God. Trust in God, trust also in me. That is serious. Jerusalem, that date which was exacted by the letter Nehemiah wrote, exacted to the day. If you count leap years plus, minus, you, it's exact. That is also the only day when he accepted to be called Masiah Hanagid, the Messiah, the King. Here now, he said, he is God. Right? And so, look at this now. And he says, my father's house has many rooms. If you are not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? The other version say, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will be back. Meaning, I will come back. That's why we are here. That's why the Lord sent us in advance to prepare you because the Lord will come back and it is soon. Hallelujah. So listen to this now. He's saying, if I go and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to where I am going. So that's very powerful. That way goes through the cross, the cross right? So he makes such a bold move. He steps forward and promises mortal men that there is a day he's coming to take them physically, physically and take them up there. And leave their relatives here. The earth continues on with this no more program and agendas. Right? Of sin. That is serious, blessed people. They promise. And so, why am I reading John chapter 14, verses 1 and 3 for you as your hope? Why? Because here, he's promising homes inside heaven in the city of the new Jerusalem where you'll enjoy the new heaven and the new earth. So why do you mourn like the rest of mankind that have no hope? He's saying, one of the reasons you have hope is that he has promised you homes in heaven. Others will enter hell, lake of fire, tormented forever. But for you, he has promised you homes inside heaven. And, and no, before you clap, listen to the following. He says, okay, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He said, you, you see one you there. You believe in God. It is exacted. That promise is exacted on you. He has said you, you, not anyone else. He's saying, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house there are many rooms. I would not, you see, you see you, uh, so would I have told you? He's addressing you, 
particularly you born again. It's not for the world. Would I have told you that I'm going there? And if I go to prepare a place for you, for you, my Lord, the word for you, there are two words there. I would underline that. A place for you, not anyone else. So why are you mourning? Exactly for you. Not for another person. So you should be living different from the world. Because for you, he has exacted you. Say, you, 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 for you. For you, I'm going to prepare a place for you there. Not the others. For you. Are we together? And he said, place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you. Not take the world or take some people, but you that are born again are faithful to me. It counts to be faithful to Jesus. He exacts and say you. Because you are faithful to him and holy and righteous. He's exacting it here. Hallelujah. So in other words, he's going back. He's coming back to take you. So in this scripture we see that this is an exclusive promise given to the church alone.